You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan and Scott Hofer, uh, which is a really cool um, story here, and we're excited to talk about this. This is custom leather, and if you guys have ever seen some of the very high-end leather at some of the stores, or you've even gotten maybe a gift in the past, it's something that's a really cool thing, and we're going to learn how it's made, so I'm pretty excited about that. But let's talk a little bit about you know, what is, is made with leather and, and from a custom standpoint, is it a briefcase? Is it luggage? Is it a shaving kit, a wallet? These are all items that are commonly made of leather or at least leather lookalike. We have a lot of leather out there, don't we? But most of us replace them about every five to 10 years, depending on what they're really made of and, and how well they're actually made. Think about like 20, 30 years ago, if your grandfather got an item that was leather, I bet you it is still around. But our next guest on the uh, Brand Butters podcast wants you to have just one. And so uh, that's going to be the kind of cool thing. And But it's one case for your important papers. And he wants it to be one that you'll never have to replace ever again, which is pretty neat. And an interesting business model. So I'm excited to hear a little bit about that. So Scott Hofert is uh, formerly a world traveler uh, who wanted to be a, a homebody uh, and got to be. Because of his passion for crafting leather you know, and his business, uh, which is Colson Keen Leather, uh, was born from his desire to create a lasting, or excuse me, to create lasting accessories that can be passed down from generation to generation. So we're excited to hear a little bit about this. Scott, welcome to the Brand Butters Podcast. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Scott. I'm honored to be here with you guys. Today. Absolutely. Thank you, Scott. Great introduction, Brian. Man, you got you got a lot going on, buddy. <laughs> well, I appreciate the introduction yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so you had a successful career with lots of travel. Um, and, you know, so kind of what... What burns you out there and what made you want to start into the leather world yeah. or business, if you don't... Great question, Scott. Um, so I spent my 20s and some of my 30s traveling the, the planet. I worked for nonprofits. So I worked kind of in the nonprofit sector, which was a ton of fun. I mean, we were, uh, my role was predominantly to sort of help needs internationally while we would raise resources domestically. And so 45 different countries, um, invariably in an airport watching people is some of the most enjoyable pastimes that I have. <laughs> I enjoy that as well. Right? <laughs> right? And my eyes would not only go to them as a person, but invariably the luggage they're carrying. And so I was often fascinated. I can remember being in Kathmandu, Nepal, seeing this killer old world vintage, probably from the 40s or 50s, leather backpack that was, you know, the old school. It wasn't efficient. It wasn't light. It wasn't cordovan. You know, it, it was something that was probably very weighty and heavy. And I remember regretting not going up to the person and offering to buy it. Uh, I would kill to have that today. So I spent my 20s and much of my 30s doing that. Um, so it, mostly in the nonprofit space. And um, and I've, I've loved it. And I'm still deeply vested in that, in that area um, and enjoy that thoroughly. But I was about 40 years of age. And I had all these friends who had these creative outlets, you know, bankers, um, they're technicians in their own right, marketers. They're, these are skilled men and women and they would talk to me about these outlets that they would have. They would paint, um, sculpt, maybe some some form of artwork or music in the garage band in their neighborhood. And I didn't have anything in that sense. Um, I mean, I had, I had a great work. I was, you know, my existential call was being realized. I was changing the world and loving that, grateful for that. And still, again, in, in that in that space today. But I felt as though I needed an outlet. Um, and so I thought, well, I love all things leather. I mean, most of us do. And so I went and procured a hide of leather and a fistful of tools, 
set up a little table on my screened-in back porch, and I decided to play. So it was like camp on a good day. I don't know if you remember growing up in camp. Oh, yeah. On a camp, right? And you oh, yeah. you made the comb sheath, and it was bearable, and you made the, the leather strap around your wrist. And um, and so I have two boys, Colson and Keen, the namesake of our company. And they would come out on the porch, and we would play. Um, and it was just an outlet. I'd, we'd make belts and wallets or what have you. And it, the, the timing could not have dovetailed more perfectly. Um, so I've been a huge fan of Steve Jobs and all things Apple, like you know most of us. And the first iPad came out. I remember watching it online as Jobs was introducing the iPad. And me and 10 million, however many people, order the iPad that day. A couple days later, it shows up. Um, I unwrapped this thing. It's like a spiritual experience in my living room, <laughs> right? I put a towel down. I don't want anything to fall and break. I unwrap it, and the first thing I Google was a case for this iPad, and they were non-existent. Wow. Literally, they were non-existent the, because the industry hadn't caught up yet. They hadn't seen these, these iPads yet. So I thought, well, in the interim, I'm going to make an iPad case, something that will just be a temporary hold. And so I, I made one and uh, went up to my little you know, porch and made one, and my wife saw it, and she said, you need to put this on Etsy. I was like, babe, and this was 10, almost 10 years ago, so either Beanie Babies or knitting you know, was being sold. <laughs> yeah. So I, was, I had no real, no, come on, babe, it's not going to work. There's no way. And I, but she said, no, you need to try it. So I did, and my inbox lit up. I couldn't keep up with it. Wow. Um, I think everybody was Googling the same thing I had Googled, and there just were not a lot of opportunities to get an iPad case. And so I was working in a, for some consul a consulting firm at the time. I was on staff in an organization that I'm still on staff with, and traveling at night um, and stitching these things in, in airplanes and in vehicles as we're going to these consulting meetings, um, just trying to keep up with it. And um, so just had a ton of fun in that space. All of a sudden I realized I have something here I can play with. And so we just began to play. Welcome to another Brand Builders podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan, and the owner and CEO of Hickory Tavern, Brad Smith. Now, Hickory is a city in North Carolina, but Hickory Tavern, it seems, is everywhere. This popular eatery has over 27 locations in North and South Carolina, Tennessee, and Alabama. And it all started with a couple of guys who just wanted a place to watch a game while eating great food and drinking a couple of beers. Now, that was nearly 22 years ago, and the co-founder and CEO, Brad Smith, joins us now to really tell us how he built this brand uh, that is now on almost every corner in Charlotte and a dozen other cities in North Carolina, including Hickory and also three other, two, three other states. Now, before we jump into this, I was recently at Hickory Tavern, and I saw an awesome thing on the TV that said ESPN had you as the top-rated sports bar in America. Now, that's a pretty awesome accomplishment, and we're excited to hear about this brand. So welcome, Brad, to the Brand Builders Podcast. Well, in, in all honesty, in very, very small print, it said runner-up. Well, we don't need to talk. <laughs> we weren't going to mention that, Brad. No, we're, we really, were, we're really asterisk. good at marketing, all right? So, but I will tell you this. We're, we're the only brand to ever finish twice in second place, which second's not very good, but there were 3,000 places in it. So uh, we were very proud of that. And the, and the best part of that whole story was a few days before that was announced, we won Best Family Restaurant in Charlotte. And this plaque showed up, and we were like, we're not putting that on the wall. I mean, 
we can't possibly be the best family restaurant. We thought we were cool. We thought we were sports. We thought we were doing all these things. And all of a sudden, you know, we get this award. And so we took it, we slid it in a drawer, and we just slept on it for a few days. Then we won the best sports bar in North America, runner-up, from ESPN. And we thought, that's the sauce. I mean, that's the combo that we really built our brand on because we can be pretty much anything to everybody or everything to everybody. And so we're proud of it now, so they hang beside each other. Welcome to another episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with DC Lucchese and also Tim Miner from the Charlotte is Creative Podcast. He is the co-founder of Charlotte is Creative, which is a 501c3 nonprofit. And if you want to you know, talk about Charlotte, you know, it's a place that's known for banking for Bojangles, which is delicious, but also is a, a great place for young people to, to get great jobs, have fun, maybe settle down, stay for a while. You know, part of that vibe that attracts young folks, though, is, is how cool and creative creative this city can be. And our next guest on the Brand Butters podcast is doing his best to make uh, it that way. We're so excited to hear what, you know, Creative Mornings is doing. And they really just launched a new nonprofit uh, that I mentioned that's just called Charlotte is Creative. And we're so excited to hear a little bit more about that. So Tim, to kick things off, tell us what Creative Mornings are uh, and tell us a little bit more about your new uh, nonprofit. Okay, great. Well, thanks for having me. Um, Creative Mornings is uh, an incredible organization of 190 chapters uh, around the world of people that believe uh, in, a, in a very simple but powerful um, mantra. Uh, and it starts with the line, everyone is creative, and it ends with everyone is welcome. Uh, and each chapter is given a lot of freedom to interpret those words as they wish. Uh, what we do is that is one Friday morning of every month, we host a free gathering where we cultivate a speaker each chapter on the same word. So this month, uh, the word was chaos. So there are 190 chapters from Charlotte, North Carolina to Tehran to uh, Helsinki, Singapore, all over the United States, finding a local, locally sourced speaker who has something that they feel is... Uh, relevant to talk about with chaos. And in some chapters, uh, they weight that towards um, creative professions. So uh, a lot of times it's very design heavy or UX heavy, depending on the culture of the, of the community. With Charlotte, um, we felt like Charlotte was a town in need of really exploring what does creativity mean? Um, in a lot of cases, Matt and I, and Matt Olin is, is the co-leader of Creative Mornings, the host, actually, and uh, he's the co-founder with me of Charlotte is Creative. Um, since we we went to high school at Charlotte Catholic High School, so we've been knocking around the Queen City for a while. Uh, we went to college together at UNC Chapel Hill, and while we were there, we, we were both involved in um, a number of, of the humanities with an emphasis on theater, and we uh, we're folks that tried to have, we wanted to have a foot in both worlds. Like we were interested in business and in, in, in careers and kind of the applications of creativity while at the same time, you know, having fun with it. And we saw often that people have a very, they see a, a, an unnecessary dichotomy with creativity. Um, they see it as artistry. So when you look at art, oftentimes the idea is, you think of, of Michelangelo painting the Sistine Chapel or Pablo Picasso, or um, Bob Fosse, or, you know, in Charlotte's case, like a Romare Bearden, you know, somebody who is a genius. 
um, and you think to yourself, uh, okay, that's not me. So when you tangle up being an artist with having the ability to create, innovate, see around corners, um, a lot of times people will put themselves in one camp or another and say, I'm creative or I'm not creative. And in a town, you noted it earlier, that, that fancies itself a business town, a banking town, a serious town, um, people will, will opt out of creativity often. Um, so we saw it getting the Charlotte or the Creative Mornings chapter as a great opportunity to remind uh, the vast majority of Charlotteans, look, you've got if, – if you have a job that doesn't allow you the opportunity to be terribly creative, that doesn't mean you're not creative. That doesn't mean that you don't have um, – uh, that you can't bring something to the table. You can't bring a perspective or a way to do your job in a way that others can't. And when you go home, that doesn't mean that you, that you have to keep being a banker. You can pursue different things that you're interested in um, and, and, and tap into that creativity. Uh, one of the, I think this also taps into um, a long debate that Matt and I have had about uh, American society and the notion of junior varsity versus varsity, right? Uh, everybody, let's take, for example, you know, thousands and thousands of kids play soccer and have a great time when they're growing up. And then you get to high school or you get to travel soccer and if you can't make the team, the it, it's kind of seen as an A-B choice, right? You either, if you made the team and you're on the travel soccer team or you made varsity soccer, you keep playing, you know, until you then you don't make the college team and then you stop. If you love, if you love a thing, keep doing it. Whether you're recognized for it or whether you, you're recognized that you're in the upper echelon, there are a lot of people, like, I like to, to draw. I'll never be a professional illustrator. Or I don't think I have the ability to be a professional illustrator, but that doesn't take away my enjoyment of drawing. I shouldn't stop. But many people just, they stop when they get to a point. And, that, and creativity and, and being uh, empowered and excited by the gifts that you have is seen as something that you need to just kind of put aside if you can't get paid for it. And we're trying to remind Charlotte that not only is that good for you, but people engaging in that behavior um, and, and tapping into or, or calling back to uh, the gifts that they have or the even the interests they have. Just you don't have to be a great – you don't have to be great at illustration to illustrate as long as you get enjoyment out of it. So we're trying to get people back into that and then explain to them that people doing that and collaborating to do things like that brings a society together. And that's the second part with everyone is creative. I think we can all recognize that Charlotte is a place that – Many people are very fortunate. People are happy. We have, you know, a pretty good life here. But we also self-segment quite a bit. Uh, we don't get messy as much as we should. We don't intermingle as much as we can. Um, and there are sections of the population that don't feel welcome. Uh, and Matt and I see, and I think the people that attend Creative Mornings see, and uh, that creativity and creative expression is a place that we can put some of that crud aside and, and come together. Uh, and so that's that's been fun. The chapter we we got it about three years ago. Uh, we didn't know if anybody was going to come, uh, but we knew we we were going to have fun. Uh, the first meeting, I think we drew something like uh, two hundred people, which was a sh a shock, uh, quite honestly. At uh, Laka Projects, Jen Band of Playing for Others was our first speaker, um, and l this month we had five hundred and fifty people show up at the Fillmore 
to hear Chris Elmore uh, of Abbott Exchange talk on the, uh, about chaos. So it's, it's been rewarding. Welcome to the Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. Now, once upon a time, a boy and a girl fell in love over coffee. As their love for coffee and each other grew, they knew they had to share their love with others. So they got married, and a few months later, Enderly Coffee was born. It's part of the growing family of Becky and Tony Santoro, which also includes three, we thought it was two, but now it's three children at home and a whole lot of coffee. Tony and Becky are both former teachers, and their core values, as you can read on their website, are people and relationships. Like they always say, people first, coffee always. They show this in their business, located in one of Charlotte's most historically rough, but most tight-knit neighborhoods, Enderly Park. Welcome to the Brand Builders Podcast, Tony. Hey, Tony. Very nice to have you, buddy. <laughs> Glad to be Appreciate here. Appreciate it. Uh, nice introduction, Brian, man. Great story, dude. So I, I'm curious, man, what made you and Becky decide to give up teaching and sell coffee? Uh, well, part of that was the recession. We, we taught here in CMS. Uh, five years in a row, we were uh, kind of stuck in that pay freeze that CMS was doing. So as a seventh-year teacher, I was being paid still as a second-year teacher. And as we started growing our family, having kids, we realized that 10 years from now, if I stayed in teaching, I realistically had no control over making more money or not, apparently, based on the county decisions. Right. And, yeah. and so we, you know, I began looking at banks and looking at other jobs and stuff. And that's kind of how I started looking outside of teaching. I would still be there today if the finances were different, I believe. Hey, man, one of our favorite sayings in the office is adversity creates opportunity. And, and look at you now. So you must love coffee. I do, I do, and yeah. and that's I guess. Tell us a little bit about that, man. So you you had a passion for coffee in some way, somehow, and figured, made a business model, and and we're working that model now, huh? Yeah. So I would say we differentiate from other coffee professionals, where, like, yes, I love great coffee. I'm very passionate about making the best product and experiencing coffee to that level. But to be honest, coffee is coffee, and good coffee is good coffee, and. What it, what it all revolves around for me is the, is the people in the industry, the people in the business. And um, so the passion for coffee, I would say, wasn't so much a passion, just something we really enjoyed together. In college, she was a barista, my wife, Becky, and she, before we were dating. And I'd go into the shop because I knew she was working the 6 a.m. shift, and I'd do some work there and, you know, just get around, get to see her and stuff. We'd go to, to dinner once we started dating, and instead of getting a, a wine with our Italian, we'd end up with a coffee and tiramisu afterwards. So it's not so much a passion for it. It's more coffee just kind of speaks something to humans. And I think it's a comfort. It's a relationality. And it's always been that for us. Welcome to another episode of the Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan, and Haley Bohan uh, from Skill Pop. Now, I love art, but there's so much more to that. And I also love to do cool stuff. Um, but one of the things that I like to do is create maybe a piece of art, homemade wreath, maybe even do digital marketing through social media, which everybody loves. But really, who has the time to learn a new skill and who has the time to take eight weeks of classes? Definitely not me. But we can definitely set aside two to three hours for an introduction that gets us going. And that's where Skill Pop comes in. So these wildly popular classes are perfect for busy professionals or parents who have young families because they teach you a cool skill set in just a couple of hours. Our next guest on the Brand Butters podcast is the woman behind this incredible concept. And we're super excited to hear this story. This is a, a project that is quickly grown in three years and is now offered in five cities. And the list of offerings is growing by the day. So welcome Haley, who is the founder and the CEO of Skill Pop to the Brand Butters Podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. 
Hey, awesome, Brian. Thanks for the intro. And Haley, thank you for joining us. And uh, just curious, did the did the classes take off right away? And I mean, did, did you ever have any doubts? Oh, man, we are diving right in. I feel like there's a warm up question usually first. Uh, yeah, so Skillpop launched uh, three years ago, September of 2015. And when I look back, I see that first fall as kind of our pilot. We did some test classes. We did a few for free. They did take off right away. You know, our first class, I was just telling someone else about it. We did a hand lettering class with a woman named Kaylee Olson. She still teaches with us today. And all of the spots were gone in 24 hours. So pretty early on, I knew there was something there. So immediately That's you have cool. some success, which is cool. But now tell us, how did you get to this point? What made you say, you know what, I'm going to start Skill Pop? That's a great question. So I, I, um, my dad is a small business owner. So I think seeing someone have a business and, and, and be in the small business world was a very familiar, normal thing for me growing up. And and maybe I always knew I wanted to do that at some point, but didn't expect to be doing it at this phase of my life. Um, three years ago, I was working as a project manager for a tech startup in town. But more importantly than that, than that, I'd been in Charlotte for just long enough to kind of get my bearings. You know, I had my circles, I had my go-to spots, I had my gym, all of the things. Um, but I was looking to get out of my comfort zone and looking for new things to do and, and looking for, you know, ways to learn and ways to meet new people. And it just struck me how hard that was to find. Um, at the time... Networking events, meetups, pop-up fitness were all really trending, but most of learning was existing online. Like you said in your intro, I found it very hard to find a place where I could go just take my camera that I'd bought on Craigslist and, and start playing with it um, that wasn't eight weeks or that wasn't really, really expensive. And so that's that's where the concept came from. Um, we did get traction pretty quickly. I did my the first class, found some partners for that, quit my full-time job just a few weeks later, and jumped in. You know, I, I saw early that there was something here, and so I wanted to run with it. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.